All right, let's be honest, okay? The language itself seems to question whether or not it's actually a language. You start the whole thing <laughs> off with a question mark. It's like, I'm going to start coding, question mark, PHP? Really? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe this is code? Did you think it through? But... <laughs> You're listening to PHP Ugly episode 145. <laughs> that was very wow. professional. Holy smokes, that freaked me out. <laughs> I'm your host, John Congdon. With me at sometimes, actually, as always, Eric Van Johnson. Hey! And Tom Rideout. Good evening. All right, Good just evening. trying to be silly and kind of threw myself off. Too. Oh, yeah, that was a, a very, very podcast voice there. Like, <laughs> when you said it, I was like, where's that coming from? <laughs> Did I leave a tab <laughs> open? Something is just not right. We, we can't have professionalism on this show. I know, it's scary. <laughs> How's everybody doing? I, I have been fighting my microphone for so many weeks now. Every time I go to edit or listen to our past show, my microphone always sounds horrible. I, I, for some reason, I feel like you you always peg out. Like, you're hitting... You, no, that's 100% what it is. I have a screenshot. I, I think you have oh. some kind of post filter that's amping it up a bunch. That or your gain? I don't know. Is the gain on the back of your mic just set all the way up? It's not on the uh, mic I, because you don't hear it on the normal stream. It's, it's just recording? The, yeah, it's only in the recording. He's not doing anything post as far as audio hijack goes. So well, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't I don't know. know. What about I don't know. What about the settings there on OBS? Not that we should be debugging this live on the on the show, but But OBS is on a different system. Oh. I don't know. So we're I'm re, I'm recording my voice on my desktop. You just need to talk a little less loudly. Agreed. <laughs> What's that an awkward pause? <laughs> it'll it'll get caught in the truncation filter. Don't worry. Yeah, oh yeah I was I was uh, I was editing the PHP Architect podcast, and, and yeah, the same thing. It's like every time I'm listening to my mic, I'm like, man, why is my mic so bad? But yeah. fortunately, we our listeners don't care. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you you were asking ab- about our week. What a horrible week this has been for me. Really? Like, oh, I I woke up uh, Monday. My back was a little sore. Didn't think anything of it because it's not necessarily uncommon. I uh, still went and played Ultimate Monday. By Monday evening, my back was killing me. Tuesday, I I walk in the office. I, I'm just complete pain like if i make the wrong move it's like i I feel like i'm gonna fall over and oh he looked like an 80 year old man walking around the office getting up out of the chair it it was just ridiculous and And that's why i have all this marijuana on me officer (laughs) (laughs) i had no clue what i did and then my uh my mother-in-law was over at our house wednesday night And she goes, oh yeah, those oh. things will kill your back. <laughs> she goes, oh, thanks again for helping me move that furniture this weekend. It looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's standing behind me. She goes, maybe that's what it was. I'm like, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> Moving a, a sofa couch or sofa bed, sofa bed, yeah, which weighed way too much. Just killed my back, and it was just a ton of furniture back and forth. Was not a good week. Still not over it. But you're feeling better? Yeah, much better. I had a fantastic week. Yeah, I was going to say, I had a great week too. Yeah, I finally pushed through a coding challenge that has just been eating away at me for the last couple of weeks. Not that it's, it's been a couple of weeks of coding, trying to figure it out. It's just the time I have to actually code, I'm realizing is becoming less and less. And man... When I do get to code, I so, so enjoy it. And I finally pushed through a really complex um, permissions workflow that we've been working on with uh, an application for a client. And, you know, it's it's got a lot of moving 
pieces to it. And this is where I mentioned last week, I was diving into the Laravel policies and uh, I just finally finished nailing everything out. Matter of fact, today I was writing all my tests for it and getting my tests to pass. And actually, man, I just actually, he found that test saved them in, in some coding too. It was, it was fun sitting there as he ran it and him saying, the test saved my ass. <clears throat> yeah, big time. I, I was actually, because I had already, because I had uh, started to apply this permission system to the application, which previously didn't have it, um, I had already anticipated test failing. But then I started to get tests failing that I had not planned on failing. And, uh, yeah, they, they saved my ass. It actually caught, um, a mistake I had made in the code. And I'm like, holy smokes. I'm, I was so happy I had that test and was able to fix it and get everything running. So, so test to the rescue. That's for sure. And it would probably have been a day or two of trying to figure out how I broke it. Had it not been for the test. So yay test. <laughs> but uh yeah it was it just felt so good i so love coding i really do i get back into that whole you know, just put me in a cave with internet connection and a good set of headphones and i'll be happy yeah i i'm in the same place this week i uh we left off last week i i was working on an application for my GraphQL presentation right. and and I've been working on that a lot this week, uh, and I actually have a, a fully working version of it now, but I got into a lot more stuff than I expected to get into. You know, Are you I'm, still working with uh, Lighthouse? Yeah. So this is, this webpage is GraphQL with Lighthouse, React, uh, Apollo, Tailwinds. And I'm sorry, what's Apollo? I'm not familiar with Apollo. Apollo is a GraphQL library for uh, React. Oh. And it is slick. Interesting. It supports all the stuff like subscriptions and uh, just the, the, the generic query language and all sorts of cool React tech. So you can just have it right there in your JSX and mess with it. It's very handy, but uh, I'm I'm just so impressed with the and amount of stuff that's out there. This is all just a demo app, right? This is nothing you're actually building for work. Yeah, this is just a demo app, but I kept getting further and further into what I needed that I didn't know. So I, I got to a point where you know I needed to get React compiled in, and I'm like, well, I don't know WebKit. I've never actually dealt with it. So I start getting into Laravel Mix and WebKit, and then I get into post-CSS for Tailwinds, and then I start getting into WebKit or WebPack? And... You talk, talking about WebPack, right? I'm sorry, yeah, WebPack, yeah. Okay. You know, and then I'm, I start getting into all of these, just all of these technologies that I've heard of, heard people using, but never used before, and... Mm -hmm. The stuff that I've learned this week is just blows me away. And so, if I can ask a couple questions, sure. Um, why why did you go down the path of React as opposed to Vue? I'd used Vue in the past, and uh, I just I did not like it as much mm -hmm. as React. Oh. Um, okay, I've had to tinker with React because uh, a lot of Plugins for Chrome and Firefox are written in React. Mm -hmm. um, and if you try to do plugins in Vue, you can, but you have to do all these caveat compiler issues for it. Mm -hmm. um, React is just natively functions as plugins. Yeah, I, I'm hearing a lot more React, like picking up momentum again. I mean, React in the Java JavaScript world has always had a lot of momentum behind it but you know especially in the Laravel community view kind of took off and and react kind of 
went back into the shadows a little bit, but I'm hearing more and more of React starting to bubble back up again, and I'm curious as to why that's happening and the, you know what what the thought process is behind the people who are who are going that route. So, well, interesting. it's for me, it was a numbers game. If you look at the employer interest in in frameworks, React beats out Vue by quite a bit. Mm-hmm. They're looking for React developers way more than they're looking for Vue developers. Mm-hmm. Um, and React seems more concise to me. It seems more uh, natural to me. Uh, I, I couldn't really give you a reason why. I don't have enough experience with Vue. Mm-hmm. But it feels React feels like an extension to ES6, whereas okay. Vue okay. felt like a framework on top of it. Unfortunately, with Laravel, it's pretty easy to bootstrap your project with either one. So yeah, you just you just say switch to React and it switches over. Yeah how how are you liking Tailwind? Tailwind's really cool. Uh, I know I like it too. As as somebody who doesn't do CSS ever, it just takes all the hassle out of it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I want it to be rounded with a drop shadow, so I apply rounded and drop shadow, and that's the extent yeah. of the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I got into tinkering with uh, the at apply method for it, so you can build a class out of classes. Mm-hmm. And that's really slick. When you combine that with React, it makes things really tight and concise. Mm. Um, and then I started getting into Webpack and how to trim unused CSS from your code with Webpack and post CSS. Mm. So then I've got my my full code base down to the absolute minimum minified, packed, and audited CSS bundle. And it's just, it's very slick. And now my big question, Lighthouse. How are you liking, how are you liking GraphQL and Lighthouse? Uh, Lighthouse is great. It's not feature complete. Um, Stuff like subscriptions, I don't believe are fully implemented into Lighthouse yet. You you mentioned subscriptions with the React stuff. I'm I'm not familiar with. What is a subscription when it comes to uh, GraphQL? Maybe I hadn't gone down that path. Um, so that would be a an open socket waiting for data. So as oh, the data yeah. streams in, you get GraphQL results streamed into you, and you just gotcha. keep that you keep the web socket open the whole time. Yeah. So basically, okay. you assign a, a callback to it. So as the data comes in, you do something with that data. Yeah, and it's a special it's a special data type in. Uh, GraphQL, it has its own rules and attributes that say, you know, start of message, end of message, and here's more information or less information, stuff like that. Fascinating. So from somebody who has been developing API endpoints for a while, how big of a game changer do you feel uh, GraphQL uh, has the potential of being? Uh, I mean... In overall, it's a total game changer. It's it's a different way of thinking of pages and data and components for pages and things like that because it's a single endpoint. It's just slash GraphQL and everything goes to that single endpoint. So you're not doing any routing through your normal software, your normal routing scripts. Mm-hmm. Um, all of your query that- handling is done in these you know, layered hierarchical queries that you've designed. Right. That's my big thing is the more I use it and the more I have, I have other team members uh, look at it, the more I, I find myself questioning when I'm going to, what is my justification for writing endpoints now? Like, why don't I just go this route across the board and, and I, I could very I if I had a if I had a greenfield application I could very easily see not having queries in my code endpoints you mean right no no queries I could imagine very easily not having the database hit by anything but GraphQL where right. I right. I I send out the page structure and then the client mm-hmm. 
requests the information that they're allowed to access, and all of it is handled through GraphQL. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I'm on. I completely agree with you. Yeah, I, I'm. I, and I'm. I'm kind of in that position now. We we we're pretty far invested in uh, a greenfield application that we've built up a lot of endpoints for. And I'm not comfortable enough with GraphQL to just do an out-and-out pivot on it. But looking down the road, like, my next Greenfield app, I'm like, GraphQL across the board. I can't come up with a justification not to yet. I'd be curious to find out. Do they claim to be in a sort of beta state, or is it production ready? It's used in production by some pretty major companies. Um, including Facebook, of course. I was going to say, it was created by Facebook, wasn't it? Didn't we determine that a couple episodes ago? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad somebody else is kind of, uh, kind of confirming what I'm finding with GraphQL because I have a tendency to get really excited about tech and, and not step back and take a real, you know, complete picture of it and i'm curious i'm really curious about the subscription part and the web sockets and do you feel that could scale are you hitting your web server and do you have to worry about Uh, your connections there i have to look into it further so since i said lighthouse doesn't support the subscription stuff right now Mm -hmm. so i haven't implemented that in any way and i don't know it as well as I could. Um, Every time I've I've looked into WebSockets, I I've always been concerned about maintaining the connections through the servers I have control over. So I've gone to something like Firebase to handle that piece for me, where I connect. I just let that be the third party kind of data store that will handle WebSockets. And that was going to be my other question. Did you uh, do the authentication piece yet? Because that's one of the one of the things I haven't played with yet. I have not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I've I've got all of the practical implementation for a read only website that publishes blogs. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a mutator, and I don't have a subscription. That's going to oh, be... Oh, I've done the mutators. The mutators are are easy and fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're a simple concept. They don't require a whole lot. Um, it's compared to RESTful, where you could say get instead of put. You're just mm-hmm. supposed to say put. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same is true with GraphQL, is that you could edit data with a query, but you should edit data with a mutator. Mm-hmm. Um. That's really the difference between the two of them is which one you should use in a certain environment. Hmm. So I'll, I'll be I'll be putting that in at some point. I'm I'm still learning React. So I've got a page that loads up when you say start, and it's very pretty and nice, but nothing is interactive yet. Mm-hmm. I need to start making functions that call React render methods mm-hmm. and. That will make this my first spa style app. But you're then, going to become a react. You're going to become a React uh, developer with Lighthouse. Yeah, that's like that's your entire back end, and then you become a React uh, developer and well, you just and do the front end with Lighthouse, and then Apollo on GraphQL or uh, Apollo on React. I mean, mm-hmm. you you treat it just like a an attribute of a. Uh, field where you say, you know, yeah, this this part here is wrapped in a query tag, and the query tag has the GraphQL string on it, so you just use that. And uh, it's it's super slick. I mean it, right. the thing the thing works itself. When you when you run it and you look at the code, you just sort of you go, where is it doing something? And it just it's it does the whole thing itself. Mm-hmm. It runs itself, it renders itself. Mm-hmm. React is really fun to play with because you get to you get to make your own tags. So instead of like div and p and a tags, you can mm-hmm. make a blog post tag, mm-hmm. and the blog post tag has like certain required attributes that you can define in the constructor for it, and it has certain 
functionalities and states and properties and you can have that whole thing waterfall down so that your data yeah. just flows down you, the rendering chain. You can do the same thing in view. That's that's the a common approach now. Yeah. It's just it's so cool to use. It was funny, um you know, one of the cool things about doing the podcast with PHP Architect as opposed to this one is we talk to interesting people. <laughs> and uh John John and I spoke with uh um one of the contributors to the magazine in an interview today, um, and he's over in Ireland. And we do a lot of interviews with people who are who are overseas and over in Europe. And it's I don't know, it's just really interesting to see to hear their perspective on PHP and the PHP community where they're at. And uh, he, he was just he was talking about um, going to like these hackathons and just the negative remarks that PHP still gets by a lot of the development groups really? out there in general. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but, uh, you know, as we've spoken in the past, I mean, some of it's justified. I mean, all right, let's be honest, okay? The language itself seems to question whether or not it's actually a language. You start the whole thing off with a question mark. It's like, I'm going to start coding, question mark, PHP? Really? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe this is code. Did you think it through? But. Yeah. but. <laughs> Meh. Doesn't, Good. doesn't ASP do the same thing? Or .NET? I was saying, I don't think there is ASP anymore, is there? And there's theirs was a percentage sign. <clears throat> what do I know? <laughs> But, you know, like we talked about, it's just, and we've talked about it on this show so many times, it's like, so many of those arguments are dated and, and old, and, you know, there are arguments about PHP before the tool sets, like Composer, and frameworks like Laravel, and, I don't know, it's just like such an old argument. And then there's the business side of me that I still, to this day, when I hear, like, super talented developers, bad mouth PHP, there, there's a piece of me where I'm like, thank God, you know, I don't want that person to be a PHP developer. They're, they're pretty fucking good at what they do and I don't need to be in competition with them. <laughs> so, you know, as long as PHP is running 80% of the, or 90% or whatever it is of the websites out there, you can hate on PHP as much as you want. Just stay away from it and let me take that business from you. <laughs> Well, and and I love people who are hating on PHP, but love Node mm-hmm. because Node has so much ridiculous crap on it. I was well, and trying. It's just as broken as PHP is, uh, in my opinion. I mean, they they've had they've had bigger community issues than PHP had. I mean, how many times did was Node going away and some other project was you know spinning up because they didn't like the government govern, governing model of Node and I mean that happened just you know like twice that I can think of where it's like oh yeah Node's dead nobody's developing for Node anymore we're doing this other thing and then it gets merged back into Node. Do you, See, I'm just, do you remember that? Yeah, and I'm just looking yeah. at my my Node modules directory for my. Lighthouse demo app, mm-hmm. and it has seventeen thousand eight hundred seventy items in the directory for a total of one hundred and eight point nine megs of data. And I'm like, yeah. this is for a demo app. That's a well, lot. And, and that's the thing. It's like there every every time now I run npm install, I. I get warnings. Hey, 27 of your packages have been identified with vulnerabilities. I'm like, (laughs) holy crap, man. I I don't even have 27 packages in my package JSON file. It's like, how, how do I have that many vulnerabilities? (laughs) And and then I have to install anything too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And And, and and it seems fragile as hell. Like, I do I do an NPM install. It's like if it just redlines, I'm like, well, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like if my NPM install errors out, you know, I I delete the node the node directory and the node modules directory and just try again and just hope for the best. 
<laughs> you know, I delete the lock file and just say, let's let's start from the beginning. <laughs> I I needed to format a date for my sample project and I went to Stack Overflow because I just wanted like a fancy, you know, March 5th, 2019, whatever string. Mm. And the solutions that they had in raw, like vanilla JavaScript were just atrocious. I mean, like arrays of names for months and days and then <laughs> yeah, mapping to those. those. Yeah. And, and I got to one where they're like, yeah, you just NPM install moment. And it, moment mm. is, you know, nodes. That's version. the carbon, carbon of, yeah, node version right. of carbon. Yeah. And I was just like, but why? Why couldn't you just have date underscore format for JavaScript? Why is this? <laughs> I mean, some of this stuff could be done in the in the core, couldn't it? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. What else so, do we get to talk about? Anything? Well, you you uh, brought up our our interview earlier today, and Barry also told us that the Laravel community is strong over in Europe. Like he's been to yeah. that, that what is it, UK Laricon Live? Lar- Lar- Laravel Live UK is what it's called. Yeah. yeah. So, I wish the framework were as strong as the community. <laughs> well the, the, Yeah I, I, I get into work this morning and there's chatter about an issue and I don't follow the Laravel community closely. Uh, a lot of it comes from this show talking to you guys, my knowledge of it. Uh, some other people that I I know, you know, they, they hate on Laravel just like a lot of people. Which brings me back to the, the whole comparing it to people who hate on PHP. Laravel has a place and lots of people use it. But from the things I've been seeing lately and ended up reading this morning, I start to understand. We've complained plenty about uh, semantic versioning and the fact that Laravel doesn't use it. And it just yeah. drives me nuts. There's no reason for something this big used by this many people not to follow semantic versioning and to understand well, and the, it. And the fact that Composer is built around semantic versioning. Composer is built to, to understand what is a safe and a not safe update. Right. And Laravel does not follow this idea of safe versus unsafe updates. Which gives a lot of other packages a bad name. Because there are, you know, one of our biggest clients that we've had for years, they are they are so afraid to allow for automatic updates of uh, the minor version, or no, the bug fix version, because of things like Laravel where you upgrade what should be a non-breaking change, and it breaks stuff. So anytime any package is updated, they want like a full test suite or to go through the change log with a fine-tooth comb looking for any potential issues. And it's like, you shouldn't have to. If it's a uh, the bug, the, was that the patch version or the, the third number in the, the version, if that's increasing, you should be able to just in, upgrade to that with no issue. Why so for, is Blue Arrow not doing that? I don't get it. For for the listener, if you if you're sensitive about Laravel's position in the community, uh, you, you can skip ahead to uh, the end of the show because this gets it's been a <laughs> nasty, nasty week for Laravel. Yeah, yeah. There's been there's been so much chatter in our company uh, Slack about uh, a couple things that happened in Laravel. Um, I think the big thing, the the thing that John's talking about today was the fact that uh, the third party um, breaks that that Lair- basically Laravel was introducing, uh, uh, and Laravel had introduced an issue with the with the upgrade to the environmental file that broke a bunch of third party libraries, and their justification or, or their recommendation on fixing it was just it was driving john up the wall oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> the, the person uh i don't even know if i want to use his name or not but the person responding no. to the original complaint was basically saying 
well, just make sure the the package is written for Laravel 5.8. And it's like, what part of third party do you not understand? This, these packages aren't written for Laravel. They're written to, to perform a specific task. It's a library I want to use. And and it's and it was stuff like the AWS SDK. It wasn't like stuff that nobody uses. Well, what what's bad is with that example is there happened someone happened to write a wrapper to make it to make the uh, SDK Laravel specific. So there like there happened to be a fix for that one. But most packages, ninety nine percent of packages written that are available via Composer are not written for Laravel. And have no clue about Laravel, so they are going to use Get ENV like everybody else. So, yeah. So to for the maintainer or the person responding to come back and say, "Well, just make sure your the packages are up are upgraded and written for Laravel five eight just isn't the right solution. And when they, well, when, I, I- when they closed the issue, just saying with that as a response, <laughs> I about lost it. <laughs> Yeah, and Taylor swooped in and reopened the issue, and the the discussion went on into the night. So at this point now, there is a resolution being pushed out in the next version of Laravel, which might have already been pushed out. I, I have an article here about Laravel 585, but we might be on 586 tonight. <laughs> which... Yeah, I, I it's funny. I, I told John when 5.8 came out that I wouldn't even consider upgrading our apps until, until we can go a week without a patch. And I, we have not gone a week without a patch yet. No, 5.8 five, is totally unstable. Um, it, after this well, week, it should, it should be marked as beta. It should type Taylor. Wow, that's, that, that's an aggressive statement. Not at all. Okay. The, what, what, so there's that issue with breaking third-party packages. Uh, another mm-hmm. issue that came out is that 5.8 defaults to big increments instead of increments. Mm-hmm. And what that caused for some users was a headache trying to figure out why their foreign keys couldn't properly attach when they created a new table. Oh and it's because God. there was a type mismatch and because the default schema had changed, it was not a configuration value. It was just it was decided to use big increments instead of increments and the end. So this wasn't disclosed well enough in the documentation, in the upgrade blog. And it's, what what was the thinking behind that? I, when I saw that article come by at, at first, I thought it was a mistake. I'm like, the, they must have done something. Why would they have changed it to so, a bit big? In- the the Good? the person who wrote the complaint blog post about this found the only reference to this in Stack Overflow and in the Git pull request for the issue, where someone had on November eighth suggested using big increments, and on November uh. Ninth, it was closed and accepted. So in one day, the proposal was made, the change was issued, and then pushed out to five point eight. That's become such a familiar pattern, too. So when you say this is the default, do you mean when you create a new migration, it puts big increments in into the file, and you just have to change it to integer or whatever? Yeah. Or if you're making, if you've made a new table and didn't notice that it populates it, it auto populates the table with big increments, and you're trying to reference it from an old table, and integer doesn't work anymore, it has to be a big int now. And this is not disclosed in the Laravel documentation. You just have to notice it when you when the new migration is created. <clears throat> yeah. Then you then you go and, and you, create, and a, you, have you, to you know, create a second table that references it. And you just say integer, and you don't understand why it's breaking. Right, which is the situation yeah. this guy ran into, is that he just he always typed integer for his relationships, and it just stopped working. See, this this is further furthers my argument of why we should just be using UUIDs across the board now. UUIDs are the way. So 
those two, those two yeah, five point eight upgrade issues were this week. You're saying that like it should be made the default, and <laughs> just go and break everything <laughs> else. Open an issue, and it'll get merged within a couple hours, and everyone will be exactly. on UUID. Exactly. Yeah, you People got, be like, you got your what, way. What the hell? When did when did uh when did Laravel become UUID default? <laughs> God damn, Eric breaking the internet. Um. So then, and now let's it's, let's be clear here is that the same pattern of behavior was how the .env was upgraded to 3.0 instead of 2.0. Was that someone no. recommend? Yeah, someone recommended no, no. it. But that was that was an upgrade to that library across the board. That's that's not a Laravel upgrade. No, but but the the change in the requirement for .env from two to three was yeah, suggested. That, that was it was suggested that was done on a that was done on a major release though. That was five five seven to five eight. So sure, I, but it was still it was still a zero day discussion. the The discussion lasted less than twenty four hours from. Initial concept to pull request accepted. So e- even if it was a major release, we're talking about how things get accepted, how the community is involved in the development of the framework, which it fundamentally isn't. Right. I agree. Yeah. And we saw that with the uh, helper files. The helper files, zero, zero days of discussion. Suggested, mm-hmm. implemented in less than 24 hours. I, if you That's don't valid. see that as a problem, you're the problem. <laughs> and then the third issue that came up this week, two weeks ago, we talked about a twig vulnerability where More uh, uh, Fabian Potentier had issued a full breakdown of the twig vulnerability mitigation techniques for people who couldn't upgrade, as well as an upgrade path for people who could and disclosed everything about it. Uh, we got one for blade this week. Uh, or for, I guess, rule checking, nope. rule checking. Yeah, it, it, validation. It was, a, it was a rule. It was a. It was the unique rule, and so it's not. It wasn't a blade. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Directive. It's, it's a. It's a validation directive. Um, and Taylor issued a, a post about this, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. He's actually doing what I didn't think he would do, which was, you know, fully disclosing, addressing, etc. But then, as you read down the notification. He basically says, "This is this is the fault of people using the validation rule outside of the recommended or documented methods. You're not supposed to allow user input on this field right here, uh, and the fact that you're doing that means that this is on you, and we will be considering patching this." At a later date, and I think they did, right? He did. He hours hours after the blog post where he said he would consider fixing it, he did fix it and pushed out a fix for it. But I'm wondering if my LTS installation has this vulnerability because LTS is never discussed in this bug. I don't know Mm -hmm. if this is a problem with the LTS version. I don't know if the LTS version got updated. In fact, I know that the LTS version hasn't been touched. In a long time, it feels like the LTS version of Laravel is abandoned, and that we even saw that when he was Taylor was saying, uh, "I don't know what's the current version, so I guess LTS is five point nine. Like he didn't know his own <laughs> LTS schedule when he was talking at Laracon. It's just another fucking miscommunication. No conversation no transparency we we should be clear about something it's like our frustrations around these situations with laravel come from developers who are using it in the real world for real business needs and it's you know it's the, the these are, are are i'm losing sleep over the fact that Taylor is just on a whim changing things from release to release with that. There is no due process or discussion or even just, you know, a board just to bounce things off of 
of what's coming down the road. And this whole, I'm going to keep things secret until the last minute to, to do this big reveal bullshit. That's got to stop, man. You've got to, you've got to put these discussion points out to the public so that we can have some visibility to it. We can have some conversation around it. I mean, let this be a community, you know, framework. You can you can still be the man in charge. You can still have the final say of what does and doesn't go. But you know, you you sit there and you you have these hobbyist developers who pound their fists on a table talking about how Laravel's ready for the enterprise, and these are exact reasons why it's not. It's and, so frustrating. And and these are the three issues. These are the three big issues for this week that have that have made the headlines. The issues that haven't made the headlines, the 5.8.5 patch that was released earlier this week, fixed the get namespace method, fixed uh, store of previous URL, uh, fixed insert or update with empty values, fixed seeding logic in array shuffle. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like shit. That is a lot for this week's third patch. <laughs> that is a lot. And this patch also included a change to how four hundred three and five hundred three errors are handled. So if you did an upgrade from five eight four to five eight five and weren't accounting for that change, guess what? Your exceptions are different now. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Just. Drives me nuts. And that is, this is 5.8.5, which is the fifth patch, or maybe even the sixth patch. But it's not patches. We can't even call patches with the way the versioning is being done. He has a third digit. Why do you you say that, John? Because it doesn't really mean it's a patch. I mean, new features and new changes seem to be going in. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. If and that can... got brought up too in the in the the breaking third party uh bug if you follow the conversation at some point several people start saying semver could have handled this semver well, they... could have stopped this from affecting me they also but they also an official reply was as everyone knows Laravel does not follow semver and it's like but you know about it you know you you know it's a thing. Why not follow it? What is the right? Can, what's the reasoning behind not following a standard that's out there? Can we can we make six the Semver version? <laughs> like when Laravel six comes out, we just let's, let's start using Semver. Maybe I'll fork it. Maybe I'll fork Laravel into uh, a just one that. that's the only difference is that it's properly versioned. <laughs> start making my own tags for it. Just mirror the whole thing, but properly fucking version the thing. Well, that's the problem is you're going to quickly fall out of line with them because they they make so many breaking changes that you're going to be 6.1, 6.12 before they're at 6.1. <laughs> that's I, I'm fine with that. But then, yeah, it just you're it silly. It just become a nightmare to take all of their um, changes and figure out where you need to patch them. I was wrong. I thought we were at, I thought we were at five point eight point six today. Mm-hmm. We're at we're at five point eight point seven. So really? yeah, so five, six, and seven have released over the last twenty four hours. <sighs> I mean, how, how? Not to start a whole other thing, but how can you call this enterprise? Yeah. How? Because they're they're on the ball with the fixes. <gasps> All right, let's move away from Larry. Well, we've been talking about this too long. I think hey, Thomas, we had breakfast with a listener this week. You had breakfast with a listener? Yeah. Your, your wife does not count. <laughs> no, no. This is a listener who, who was in town for a conference. Uh, actually, in town with his wife. His wife his was at a conference. And- yeah. His wife was in town for the conference. He, he came with her, and we met up, went to, went to breakfast yesterday morning, or whenever it was, Tuesday morning. Yeah, Tuesday yeah. morning, yeah. It's good. It's the second time he's uh, made his way out to San Diego, so it's always good to sit down and, and talk with him. Yeah, it was fun. Enjoyed it. And John, I think you're going somewhere before I interrupted you. I apologize. I was I was trying to I was trying to 
but an upbeat uh, topic there. <laughs> yeah. So we've been talking lately about me getting uh, one of our oldest clients up to PHP 7 and keep making that march further and further along on it. And I had a hell of a week. Uh, some of their servers, they've decided instead of uh, completely moving them out of the data center over to AWS, since the data center is already paid for, they wanted to keep it in place. So I was tasked with upgrading PHP kind of in place on the servers. Not a good idea. Not fun. Oh, don't say that. Not fun. <laughs> it, it would be, it, I pulled one server out of the cluster, upgraded it, put it back in, and then, you know, fought through, okay, what am I missing? What? Oh, crap. I got a disconfiguration value. Uh, it wasn't saved or whatever. Just lots of issues there. Fought through that, pulled the second server out, thought I had it well documented, missed a few things. You know, so it, we were back and forth from five, six, seven throughout this, this process. Then last night, I think it was, I upgraded the, they have a separate server for running crons and their workers. And what a pain. I don't know what the difference is. Uh, they're running CentOS, and I upgraded to to seven three. And for some reason, the configuration running PHP from a CLI is in a completely different spot than running in the web browser or the web server. Excuse me. And it's like I would I got everything uh, working as it was on the the two web servers I'd already done, but the workers were still failing or you know, different issues here and there. And it turned out I just had to copy configuration files from one location to another. But what a <laughs> nightmare. And finding so much... I mean, the, the code is over 10 years old. And finding so many spots where it's like, how in the hell did this even work in 5.6? Like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting into 7 and finally getting, like, told about errors. But... How did it work prior? So many places where functions are called statically, even though they're not declared static. And then within that method, they're calling dollar this. And it's like, but it's not an object. Oh, God. <laughs> that, you're, calling, a, you're calling it John static. told me that one. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, that, that can't be working. He's like, no, it works. I'm like, no, it doesn't. He's like, dude, it works. Well, it just, it, doesn't fail so it doesn't give you the intended <laughs> results like the page still renders it just doesn't do what you think it does and the, remember the, earlier we were talking about the bad reputation php has <laughs> <laughs> well the funny thing is a couple of the spots i fixed it the code calling was passing the value in they were looking for the user id so it was being passed in but then you go to the function declaration and that parameter wasn't listed there. And then within the method, <laughs> within the method, they're saying this user user ID is like, but you don't have that object. And oh yeah, already, yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so I, all you do is add the, the the parameter in there and then use it, and it was fixed. Yeah, no, I I remember when that was implemented, and I used to, that was just, that was the way you did it. There there was a lot of hand waving that said like no getters and setters. You never have to worry about that. Because you could just dynamically update an object. Again, question mark PHP? Really? <laughs> now, there, there's conversation my life about choices getting right rid now. of that. <laughs> What's in that, the, Thomas? In the internals conversations, they're, they're talking about getting rid of the open tags for .php files. Since, oh, since, really? Well, we don't, we don't intermix... PHP and HTML anymore like we used to. When it was a right. When it was a template language, we we needed that. It used that, to be so, mostly HTML with some PHP. Right. Yeah. So would the idea be that if it has a .php extension, it just gets executed by PHP? Yeah. Which makes sense. Interesting. I mean, we 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 had to get rid of the closing tag because people put spaces after the <laughs> oh my tag, god or... thank god we did too yeah you have do you, you okay you did you worked in the 5.3 days so you the, the four days <laughs> yeah so i mean i 
I had days where I got an error before sending headers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was the big oh, one. Yeah. Oh my god, where <laughs> you just had to inspect every single file and find the carriage return, mm-hmm. and it just the worst. Oh, you just I just got like this hot flash flashback. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm like uncomfortable now. Yeah, I, I'm all in favor of though. getting rid of the opening tag. There's no, no. Need but I wonder that. how. But you would still use it when you do like for templating for for like blade templates and stuff. You would still, it would still use it or. Well, blade templates have an at PHP directive now. Yeah, but that gets that gets translated, right? I mean, isn't that yeah, yeah. isn't that what happens? Yeah, it gets yeah. So in in a non .php file, it would be. It would be considered an at will use, but the problem is, P- blade templates don't they end in .php? Blade.php. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. so that's going to be are... deprecated in the next version, anyways. They'll, they'll talk <laughs> about it for about two hours and just be like, "We'll just end it with .blade. We don't need." <laughs> yeah. See, perfect. <laughs> we'll, if you, if, we're going to create, we're gonna create a new request. extension .fu. <laughs> <laughs> submit the pull request. We're fine. I, uh, I mean, I have to say that the the conversation around Laravel this week has been very toxic, very very vitriolic in our chat rooms because the patterns are becoming so common that it's a joke. Well, it's funny because I mentioned we had the listener came out and had breakfast with us. He has a. Uh, a fairly large application he wrote in Cake PHP. Um, it's Cake Cake PHP uh, version two, two. Yeah. and that's one of the things that he wanted to talk to us about. Is you know he's contemplating: does he want to go to Cake version three, or does he want to just rewrite it for? He feels like he has to rewrite it either way, and he's contemplating whether he wants to go to Cake three or Laravel. And it's just. Uh, it's such a hard conversation to have because you, the Cake community is in the release. The release cycles of Cake are so much, so much more thought is put into it. So many more people are involved in that process, and you know, yeah, it's hard. Uh, you know, he has he has years of knowledge around cake and and how to develop in cake, but there's some things that are appealing to him with Laravel that he really wants to start to take advantage of. And yeah, that doesn't sound hard to me. It sounds like <laughs> cake is the way to go if he knows cake. <laughs> I I I follow the uh, the internals conversations now, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that there was a a role of release manager for PHP. Did you hear, you know about this yeah. at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and people, I mean, it's, like uh, a, it's a nominated it, position. Right. Per release. Well, usually people, usually people volunteer for it. It's oh, not, this not time. a lot of volunteers. <laughs> no, this time was straight up. Someone nominated somebody else. And he said, I'm honored. Thank you. Yeah. I'd be glad to do it. And, but he's like, he's the guy who's in charge of the next release. And making sure that everything is all together and everything merges in correctly and that all the conflicts are resolved and features are properly documented. It's like a full big ass job that is like an honorary job for an open source developer. Like you, mm-hmm. you get to be this guy because you're a big, you're a big name. This person. Uh, you get that, to be this person. Correct yourself. Person, pers- person. Sorry. I miss, misgendered. You get to be this developer. So, I, just, I I look at that and I'm like, that is such a cool thing to do. That is such a cool way for a community to operate. What the fuck is going on in Laravel land? <laughs> like, threads are getting locked because it's too hostile. Like, the reporting of a bug was just too hostile. And... How do we get back here when, again? Huh? How do we get back to Laravel again? Uh, I, I'm, I'm incredibly it's been a long week. I'm incredibly frustrated. I think that's just the issue is that I'm so frustrated by this whole thing this week because it's been one thing after the other, and it's been shitty responses every single time. And then 
three patches in two days. It's like, <sighs> thank you for the eye rolling gif. <laughs> Uh, it's we we got back to it because I'm frustrated by it, but I will try to I will try to hold myself back. No, uh, I, th- I think it was Eric Swall because he brought up uh, Cake versus Laravel, and <laughs> he yeah. said the said the L word. Th- yeah. Thanks for throwing me with Buster, John. Appreciate yeah. it. No problem. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I don't contribute much other way, so <laughs> I'll do that. Let's throw up our Patreons. This seems like a good po- a, a good spot. That's to true. I need I need everybody. to take one minute. So you cover the Patreons and the reward levels. The reward, yeah, we have n- no new Patreons to reward, but uh, we do appreciate all the ones that we we have out there. So if you're if you're watching the video stream, you should be. If you're not watching the video stream, you should be because really you can see release. our lovely faces. We, we got to figure out how to release this on it as a video podcast versus just audio uh i mean how many platforms are there out there that play video though i i guess yeah i guess we could look at it. i mean we it's it's on youtube it's probably something that's fairly simple to do i just need to i guess i just need to look at uh like the apple itunes and figure out what it takes to release a video podcast i i actually just never gave it any, any thought to be honest but well i guess since we're putting this is- extra biggest thing is editing you know we we edit the audio version to a point right where the, we yeah yeah we as in this this, this show it's it's a rough edit though i mean it's it's really just a, a scrub over the audio quality and the uh yeah trust me i've noticed intro and outro <laughs> this is gonna be the most heavily heavily bleeped show we've had in a long time <laughs> It's funny, like when I edit it, I, I I'm hypersensitive to us and ands and os and heavy breathing and and I I'm like moving tracks around and I copy things here and put, and put it over here just so that everything sounds right. And then I listen to uh I, I listen to to Thomas's edit. And it's just like, hey, don't 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 put this in the podcast. But that <laughs> fucking guy, man, it's like nope. That, that made it in apparently. <laughs> last last week, I, we were all on some kind of downers last week because there were just long pauses. There's places where the the conversation stalled like a biplane. <laughs> it's funny because first thing, if you ever really want to work on your your speech and how you present yourself, record yourself talking and edit edit it it will drive you up the wall but and then other people's speech patterns will drive you up the wall as well um for the php podcast the one we do for php architect we did something different uh this month in the sense that we we had the editor of php architect on with us and i can tell you it goes from if John and I w- w- will normally record about 30 to 40 minutes of just the podcast of him and I talking, and that will typically typically take me about an hour to edit down. You add a third person, it adds a whole additional hour. It's like that that third person is, you know, that third track in, in the editing process just adds so much uh, for me, uh, for you. I'm sure it doesn't add anything, Thomas. You just blow through it. <laughs> well, no, what I do but is I like... cut John's track out and I just edit your track and my track. And then once that's done, I put his track back in over it. <laughs> it's like a two minute job. <laughs> yeah. Come on. You, you got to admit, I've been better this episode. I hope. We are. We're all. We're all a bit perkier. I'm trying to. I'm trying to to speak quieter to see if my recording's any better. But yeah, you've done a good job. At least it seems like you. (laughs) All right, you guys ready for some doom and gloom? Oh, I thought we were wrapping up. Damn. Wait, what? Yeah, doom and gloom is how <laughs> well, we wrap the show wasn't up. was this whole episode all, doom and gloom? All we've been talking about is doom and gloom. Holy <laughs> smokes, man. Save it for the for the Patreons. I've uh, I've oh, yeah, got a, I've got a week for the Patreons this week. It's gonna be it's gonna be epic. All right. 
All right, lay it on us. What do you got? Well, it turns out that large construction machinery uses a, let's say, non-existent version of encryption or security. Five attacks were tested against large construction equipment, including cranes, excavators, and scrapers. I imagine bulldozers. And it turns out that just with a software-defined uh, radio, which you can get for 100 bucks, you can snoop on the signals, figure out what it is the commands do, and then just repeat them back to the machine, and it'll do them. In the case of, like, your car key fob, there is, like, a level of crappy security behind it so that it can't immediately do a replay attack. But in the case of these kinds of machines that move tons of dirt and steel, even that level of attention wasn't paid to it. It's it's like having a RC controller accidentally interfere with construction equipment. It's so it's so atrociously bad that with a Chromebook and a USB dongle for software defined radio, you could demolish a construction site entirely on your own. That doesn't sound good. Although I would like to have a nice big RC excavator in my backyard. Oh, did I ever tell you about my buddy that had one of those? Oh, let's, I have go. A, let's go. Let's hear it. Oh, oh, it it's just, the first thing. The guy is absolutely a genius. Uh, John knows who I'm talking about, even though if he doesn't know yeah. who it is specifically right now. He lives at the top of the hill. Yeah, that's the dude. <laughs> Uh, the, the guy, the guy is an absolute genius and, um, yeah, he was, he, he was trying to develop a product to allow, uh, uh, workers of heavy equipment to work inside the trailer and not have to be in harsh conditions. So like when it's raining or if it's super hot, they could be inside or ideally they could be somewhere else in the country so that you're hiring the best drivers are the are the best workers of, of these um these this equipment and you're not you're not limited to whoever's in your local area. So this is what he's working on. And um so he is a wealthy individual and he goes and buys one of these uh big earth movers and uh I go over there and he has the whole thing all the mechanics and stuff you know taken out and He's hooked in, you know, all these uh, microprocessors and stuff, and it still works. Like he, he's like, "Hey, you want to get in and drive?" I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I got it." And you know, I drove it around. It's so so, much he's a genius, but he has poor judgment. You're like, you're like a kid, you know. It's like, why wouldn't I want to drive this thing? It was, it was so much fun. <laughs> so I come back about a, a couple weeks, oh, a couple weeks later, and as John mentioned. He lives on top of this very large hill in our town um, where he, there's only two homes on top of this hill. And uh, I had seen this, the excavate, uh, excavator, I, I forget what it, what it was, what you actually call it. It's the one with the big uh, shovel in the front. Backhoe. He had it like in this decommissioned state. And I'm like, um, I'm like, hey, what's going on? He goes, oh yeah, I, I had a bug in my in my software. I'm like, oh really? He goes, yeah. A uh, fun fact: it should always fail to off. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, so he he's controlling the thing with the remote, and it had lost its signal to the remote, so it just kept going. <laughs> He's like it was going down the hill. He's like he's he's not an athletic individual, and he's like you know running down the hill after this thing trying to catch up, you know, holding out the remote trying to get it to stop. It was like a drone going to hell, man. It was the funniest thing. I was going to say I've, story. I've done my research on drones, and it's de that's definitely an issue. Is that out of range should default to stop? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, th I think with drones, they don't don't they actually come back? Like if they go out of range, don't they? The, the GPS takes them back to where they took off from. I it depends. <laughs> it depends on the software. Amazingly enough, drone all the drone software that you see nowadays is based off of the Wii U or the the Wii remote. What? Yes. Really? 
yeah, so somebody realized that the while reverse engineering the Wii remote, that the gyroscopic calculations that were being done by it were better than anything else that was out there. And so they took the gyroscopic calculations that they were doing for their Wii emulator and ported it over to controlling gyroscopic stabilization on uh, drones. Drones. Get out of here. You're, you're just full of little nuggets of information. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm, I'm going with it. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I, it's fascinating. The drone stuff is fascinating because it really was a grassroots movement to get quadcopters working. And it happened really, really fast with this open source mentality. So a lot of the drone stuff that you see today is completely built off of open source software. And to answer your question, Eric, about returning home, it depends on the drone. The the higher quality, yes, but they don't all have GPS built into them. I, I thought they had to. I thought that was like one of the requirements for them to be able to... I, I guess it's a matter of how high they go, right? Because if okay. they they have to they have to report whether or not they're in commercial airspace and like well, disable you, or something. You're, talk, you're, talk, you're, you're talking about you're talking about bigger type drones where you, the little toy drones that you have flying around that can that can still go out of range uh, don't have. But that but they of, can't go that high. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, it it also has to do with if it has GPS installed because if it has GPS, you can designate a destination and you don't even control the drone. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's what he was saying. He was, he was telling me that not all drones have GPS. And I, and I, I naively enough thought that they all had to have them because of some sort of regulation about going into commercial airspace. They had to nope. kind of report whether, where they were. Uh, no, the, the software for the stuff like the, the DJI Mavic, the software does that on the remote end of it, but not, necessarily on the drone part of it hmm. but i mean as you know there's plenty of issues with drones being flown into airports just dr- drones in general i mean we see them occasionally outside our house just flying overhead and it my wife hates it i'm kind of like eh, i'm not a huge fan of it knowing that somebody could be sitting there watching like our kids in the backyard just weird and then you go to the beach and you see them all the time over at the beach. Just really, seems, yeah, just creepy. Because you you know they're they're just looking at bikinis. Uh, with that uh, weird note, I think we're done for the week. The image of John in a bikini. We should probably wrap this up at this point. <laughs> if we haven't lost listeners yet, we're going to. All right, this has been uh, episode one forty five of PH PHP Ugly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm Tom Rideout. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. Keep, Keep it, it ugly. ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly. Keep it ugly.